Hello, and welcome to the First Baptist Hanford podcast. Our primary mission at FBH is to love God, love people, and serve the world. We hope that this weekly podcast will encourage you in your daily walk with Christ as we play for you our most recent sermon audio. Let's have a listen. And so certainly we know that Balaam becomes a tool that God uses to frustrate Balak. Balak, you need to read the rest of the story, by the way. I, I, I read the, the high point of the donkey incident, but the story goes on. And, and Balaam, you need to read it. But Balaam, God uses Balaam to frustrate Balak. Because every time Balak asks him to curse, Balaam can only bless Israel. And so God uses him as a tool. But he also, following this story, Balaam gives some bad advice to the Moabites and causes uh, some compromise on on behalf of the Israelites and a huge plague. God God causes a huge plague to run through the Israelites. 24,000 people die as a result of Balaam and the advice that he gives. Now, this is in contrast to, like, Peter talked about last week, Daniel. And when Daniel was called to do some work for Belshazzar, you rem- if you were here last week, you, you will recall, Belshazzar wanted to give money to Daniel. I'll give you whatever you want. I'll make you number, what was it, number two, number three in the kingdom. And Daniel said, keep your money. I don't want it. Balaam is 180 degrees. He goes, I'll take your money. So let's look at this. This is some of the character and I want us to try to understand whether Balaam was a good guy or a bad guy. He talks like a believer, but it appears to be just that. It's just talk. There's no indication that he had a real relationship with God of any kind. Balaam basically is a hired gun. He had a reputation of being able to manipulate the deities of the local area. and People would have him come, and, and he would... Tell fortunes, he would give direction, he would give advice, he would bless, he would curse. So this was a professional arrangement. And Balaam expected that this business trip was going to be just like every other business trip that he had been on. He would go, he would take care of business, he would manipulate the deity, or more importantly, he would manipulate the people and make it sound like he knew what he was talking about. He'd take his money and everything would be fine. And so when we look at that, we need to understand that that's, this is who we're dealing with. And let me just uh, take a second to unpack a little bit this idea that he was a soothsayer, a diviner. Because we've got, even nowadays, we've got people that are palm readers and fortune tellers. And I believe that these folks kind of walk this very difficult line between being manipulators and being connected with an, a spiritual side, the spiritual side of life. And it's a very dangerous line to walk. So I, I believe personally that Balaam was one that could uh, work with demonic forces, but he was also pretty intelligent and he was able to manipulate people. And so he was able to appear, make himself like, uh, appear like he could uh, talk with gods and be the mouthpiece of gods 
And I believe there were times that he probably did deal with evil spirits. But a lot of it he did by manipulating people as well. And that happens today, right? I think the things that we look at that get put on our TV about people talking to those that have gone on and they're on the other side and I'm going to cross over to the other side or have them cross, you know, uh, there's a demonic part of that and there's also a, a manipulative part of that. And it's a dangerous line to walk. But this is where Balaam lived his life. So Balaam was driven by greed. Second Peter tells us that uh, his ministry was tainted by the love of money. His ministry, his activities, his lifestyle was tainted by the love of money. That's what drove Balaam, was greed and money. But probably the biggest character flaw in Balaam was what I'm calling spiritual arrogance. That Balaam had a sense that he could control things in the spiritual realm, and as a result, it manifested itself in this particular story in some very obvious ways. Spiritual arrogance is this idea that it puts me at the center of the spiritual world and I do the controlling. I, I contact the deity, I tell it what I want, and I try to manipulate that, and I have the power to do that. In this particular story, this arrogance led, first of all, to spiritual blindness. And I believe this is the irony of the talking donkey. That Balaam was spiritually, even though he had the reputation of being a spiritual seer, that he could see spiritual things, when it came right down to it, and the angel of the Lord is standing in, in front of him, he's blind, yet his donkey can see. So he's got this spiritual blindness because of his arrogance related to the spiritual world. It separates us from God because, and in God, God says as much through the angel of the Lord when, when he calls Balaam's way reckless. You've been reckless before me. And so it separates us from God because I've set myself up at the center of what my spiritual world is about. There's spiritual impotency, impotency impotency. Here's this rock star diviner, seer, and when he gets in front of the real God, he can only do and say what that God tells him to do. So this power, quote unquote, that he thinks he's had goes away when he encounters the real God. There's division that happens when we become spiritually arrogant. I want to jump to the New Testament for this because in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he says this in chapter 1. He says, I hear there's divisions among you. Some of you are saying, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow Apollos. And see, that's what happens when we become spiritually arrogant. We think we know what's best or who we want to follow. So we align ourselves with this person and all it does is divide rather than unify. So there's a division that happens. And there's consequences. The result of Balaam's error and, 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 what he, and how he lived was that it cost the Israelites those 24,000 people that I mentioned. Ultimately, it cost Balaam his life. You, you can read about that as it goes on. The bottom line is Balaam underestimated God big time. He thought this was a regular business trip that he was on, and very quickly he found out he was up against something he'd never encountered.
before in his life. So that's Balaam. So we've got Balak, we've got Balaam, and then real quickly I want to ask, what do we learn about God? What can we learn about God from, from this story? Well, first of all, we can learn, like we've said earlier, God can use anything to accomplish his will and his plan, right? If he can, if he can use a donkey, he can use me. If he can use me, he can use you. God can use anything, anyone he wants to accomplish his will. Secondly, the God of Israel is utterly supreme over every deity, everything that would set itself up to be God. God is supreme over that. He's completely unique. He can't be manipulated. He can't be controlled by any man. The picture that this story paints is the undeniable superiority of our God. And that there is, because God is sovereign over all things, his will can't be prevented. Balaam is unable to do what Balak wants. Balak wants Balaam to go and curse the Israelites. Balaam can't do it. He cannot do it because God says these people are blessed, eternally blessed. The curse can't happen. God does not approve of everything he allows. I'm going to say that again. That that one was a good one for me this week. God does not approve of everything that he allows. He allows Balaam to go do the work. Let's... I'm going to tell you what I think. Balaam, there was never a question in Balaam's mind if he was going to go with Balak's people. He was going. All we had to decide on was how much money is going to change hands and when can we go. Now, it plays out a little bit differently than that, but, but Balaam was going. He knew he was going to go. God allows him to go, but clearly does not approve of what he allows. And so I, I think we need to be uh, understanding that, that that is not unlike what we encounter today. There are times that we see things happening in our world, maybe even in my own world, and I can't figure out why God would allow that or why God would approve of that. And I think we have to be careful to say God doesn't always approve of everything that he allows. And our job is not to convert God to our way of thinking, but for us to be converted and submit ourselves to what God wants to do, right? Sometimes my prayer, sometimes my thoughts are, if I could just convince God that my way is right, everything would be fine. But my job is not to convert God, but to submit to God and work on his behalf. God desires to reveal himself to us. I would love to sometime, and and I'll throw the challenge out to Pastor Peter to Uh, Somewhere down the road, preach on the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is an awesome, awesome thing to unpack in the Old Testament. And the short answer or the short kind of uh, description here or thought here is that when the angel of the Lord, when that phrase is used in the Old Testament, that in many instances it's Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate Jesus Christ that shows up. I don't know, maybe some of you haven't heard that before, but it's pretty incredible. Um, And I believe that this is an instance of that. And so God desires to reveal himself to his people. It's part of his nature. It's part of his character. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him more than anything. 
And I think that's clear in this story. And then lastly, God has a sense of humor. I mean, again, I want us to try to picture this a little bit. The, the, one thing that we miss sometimes is it says that Balaam starts towards Balak with his donkey and two of his assistants, right? But we forget that there is a whole group of Moabite elders that are with him. So this is a parade, friends. This is a parade on its way, and Balaam is the center of the show. He loves it. This is why he does what he does. He gets paid, and people love him. And so they are on a parade back to see Balak, and this, then this incident happens with the talking donkey. And if you look at the exchange again with Balaam and his donkey, the donkey asks, why did you beat me these three times? And what's Balaam's answer? Because you made me look like a fool. So he was concerned about appearance. He's got this parade of people. They are marching. And these are, these are very important people. So these, this was a caravan of people. And then this guy who's the grand marshal of the parade gets off his donkey and starts beating it. I'm just trying to, I, I'm just trying to picture the, the comedy of that whole thing happening. So there is a sense of humor in God that he would allow this to happen. Well, how does the story end? This is not the end of the story. You, you need to read the next couple chapters in the book of Numbers to see how the story ends. But I want to ask you this morning to think about this last question, and, and that is, what can I learn about myself? What can you learn about yourself? Are you like Balak, that you tend to rely on your own wisdom or your own ability? When a crisis comes, the first thing you think of is, how can I figure this out? How can I make it right? Is there any glimpse of spiritual arrogancy in your life? A sense that you kind of got it all figured out? Here's one of my concerns for the Christian church or the typical Christian maybe, at least here in North America, is that we believe, we would answer that, if someone asked us, is Christianity the one true religion, we would answer yes to that. But if we were asked to explain how we knew that to be true or how what we believe as Christians is different than fill in the blank with another religious tradition, we might be at a loss to come up with how we would answer that. I think that's arrogant. That's arrogant that we would claim to have the absolute truth but not be able to really unpack it in some cogent, understandable way. And so I think there is potentially some arrogance that creeps into our lives. Is God revealing himself to us? Perhaps not a talking donkey in your life, but maybe someone or something else in your life that God is trying to get your attention with. But here's what I want us to know this morning, and it's this. That God's ultimate revelation to us is through his son, Jesus. That he... That, that God, as unique and different and sovereign as he is, came to be one of us, walked on the earth with, with us. We have his teaching with us. God revealed himself to us in a man. And coming into a relationship with him will change our life. 
And many of us could testify to that very fact, that as we have submitted to God and come to know the person of Jesus, it's changed our life. So this morning, when we think about that, when we think about the, the, the beauty and the, the, the great story that it is that a, a donkey talked to a man, that there's a bigger underlying image and picture that we want to get, that God wants to speak to us, that God wants to get our attention. He wants us to understand him in a deeper way. So let me ask you to pray with me this morning. Would you bow your head and let's just pray. God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that, that there are stories like this in the Bible that when we, when we read it, we either are dumbfounded and we just move past it because we don't understand it, or maybe we get a laugh out of it, but we don't think about it much deeper than that. But that, God, you would help us to have eyes, spiritual eyes that are open to see what you want to say to us uh, today. So, God, my prayer is that if there are those here today that know you, that they've, they've been following you for many, many years or at least for some time of their life, that they would just be reminded today who you are, the, the sovereignty of who you are, your power on display in, in this world and in our lives, and that we, would just make a, that we would just recommit ourselves to say, God, you are who you say you are, that Jesus, you are God in the flesh, you are my Savior, and I want to live for you. I want to live in obedience to you, that we would make that recommitment this morning. And God, I'm grateful for the person of Jesus, that you, you've revealed yourself clearly in this man, and that the good news of our salvation is wrapped up in what he did for us. That he came, he lived, he died, he rose again so that we can be set free from our sin and know you personally. Thanks for that truth today. Now, God, I just ask your blessing on us as we leave, as we head into a week of ministry here with Vacation Bible School and as many of us head to a workplace or a neighborhood where people need to know who you are, would we go with the understanding that we're your representatives in this world, in this community, in our neighborhood, in our home. And thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the FBH Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this week's sermon. Music was by the band Broke for Free. And if you would like more information about our church, feel free to check out fbhanford.org. That's fbhanford.org. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.